So you say you want a wide receiver in this draft. Well, you can dig into this class. You're going to find some holes and some problems that we have to go through. We're going to start talking about what the rankings are, what shows you here, and what do you got to be concerned about? Welcome to Locked On NFL Draft. You are Locked On NFL Draft, your daily podcast covering the NFL Draft. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL Draft Show. I am your host, former NFL and NFL defensive back, Eric Crocker. And as always, I'm joined by my guy, Ryan Tracy. And we want to thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We're getting into a position today that's near and dear to my heart. I love talking about defensive backs and I love talking about receivers and today something just fell into our lap a little bit this curious interesting topic of where this receiver is going and you know we're on Twitter and we're looking at you know looking up draft stuff you see Mel Kuyper and he puts out a mock and you know he's the godfather of uh the draft talk the combine for all, all that good stuff and he had a receiver out of USC Drake hmm. London going number 10 overall to the New York Jets. Now, New York Jets, they do need a receiver. So, mm. you know, it kind of makes sense. But I think it was just interesting to see which receiver he had them taking. So, obviously, Drake London, he had an ankle injury towards the middle of last season, still put up terrific numbers. Do you think that the 10th overall pick for him in the draft is a little too rich? I will say this. It certainly sounds like a Jets thing to do, doesn't it? <laughs> I mean, I I think we're both pretty high on London, especially before yeah. the injury. I think we were talking him up before anybody else was, to tell you the truth. And he's got a unique skill set. It, it, I don't think you can really pigeonhole him into a type. I think he's got enough skill to go all the way around prior to the injury. But that is a risk assessment that I think, as we understand, it's it's a bone break. It is simple. It's not uh, you know any kind of ligament damage or anything like that. Anything long term that you can think soft tissue is going to break down, it's going to have a shorter career or anything like that. But to just kind of ignore that injury and that's what it feels like to me. If you're doing, if you're going into the top ten for that player, that does seem a little rich for me. Did you have the same reaction? Or where, where do you think that should be? I think the reaction for me, it really didn't have anything to do with the injury. I was more so just intrigued because of how high they, they have him going. He's not mm -hmm. the most dynamic guy, you know, in the sense of, you know, what you see some of these receivers are today, right? I mean, you see them have this explosive ability, just, you know, run after catch is crazy, you know, speed to run away from everybody, be able to separate. That's a big thing in the NFL now. You know, can you separate from corners, especially at the NFL level where guys are going to play more press coverage? And looking at Drake London, I felt like he won – a specific way. Now, I talked about him not being like the most explosive guy, but he is a terrific run-after-catch guy. He does it more with strength, power, as opposed to just pure speed and making yep. guys miss in the open field. But at the catch point, a lot of his passes are contested because he doesn't create a bunch of separation with route running. Now, I mean, that was one of the things I kind of knocked Jamar Chase for a year ago, and he's doing just fine in the NFL. I would say that the difference is Jamar Chase was naturally a more just pure explosive player. He was a 4-3 mm -hmm. top guy, especially when the ball was in the air. With London, 
there's not even that separation at the top of routes. Everything that he does, he wins with just his ability to use his frame, use his body, position himself. I think he has terrific body control. And he has a basketball background, played basketball at USC until this last year. And he goes up almost like it's a rebound, you know? So he's putting that basketball skill set to use. Tenth overall, still to me right now, you know, without really diving into the film, and I watch almost every game of him at USC. Mm-hmm. But when you start to watch it from an all-22 view to see what he's doing away from the ball, maybe I'll see something different. But right now, I don't know, man. Ten seems just a little rich. It seems a little rich for me. You know, yeah, I like what you said about, you know, he, he wins with his background. I think he relies on it a little bit more. I think as he grows into uh, – a, a more specific use of his body being a dual sport athlete makes you sometimes a little bit of a disadvantage in both. So I think as he grows into the wide receiver role, I think he may be able to do a little bit more with some of his route running to get a little bit more separation that way. I think he relies on, on the ups really because he has them because it's so natural for him. I think the other thing you have to remember is no matter where he catches the ball, he's really good after contact as well. And that's something that if he just gets a little bit here and there, I think that he can actually improve his overall ability to be a quote-unquote open player. And and we all know if you're going to be in New York, you probably have to be a little more open than you do at other places <laughs> around the league. So yeah. I, I could see it. It just it just seems, again, a, a little bit high, and that's okay. Oh, Rich. The bigger question for me is that particular selection, I don't know that that's one of the, the upper needs that you have to take care of. I know you want to put weapons out there for Wilson, but that might be a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. That said, in this class, there's some other guys that have a varying amount of overlap with some of his skills. Burks comes to mind off the bat. But the interesting thing is he's not the only guy that's injured in this class. And I think we have to get into some of those guys as because the whole thing twists depending on what team wants to take a chance. So I think we should take a look at the class overall and how London, as well as a couple other guys, affect it. Real quick, before we get into some of those guys and, and we go to our break, I want to ask you, because you brought up something that's, that's pretty intriguing to me. You brought up Burks, and I think Burks and London win a similar way, right? Like, they can both win at the catch point. They are both guys that both of the uh, universities work to just get the ball in their hands, in space, whether it's screens or other. But I thought Burks showed a little bit more explosive ability after the play. Like, his ability just run away from guys. I thought like just that pure straight line speed was better. And that's one thing when you're looking at these guys, especially at the top, if you're talking about taking one of these guys at pick 10, I would mm-hmm. assume, and I know uh, Burks is probably going to be a couple inches shorter. Uh, Drake London listed at 6'5". Burks listed at 6'3". And uh, right. we always know the universities give these guys an inch or so here and there. <laughs> I would assume that people will go more, lean more towards Burks if that's the way that you want to go. So that that's going to be something kind of interesting to see how the whole thing plays out, especially as these guys test. But like you said, we're going to get into some of these other guys that have had to deal with some injuries, and they are getting mocked pretty high as well. But first, we want to talk to all of you about one thing that you guys should all need and get right now, especially as prices go up, and that's get upside. You know, this is an incredible app that everybody who buys uh, gas, they're going to need. Our, our listeners are making up 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free GetUpside app at your app store or your Google Play store right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. And you're going to get a bonus of 25 cents 
a gallon every time you fill up or the first time you fill up. And that's up to 50 cents cash back. All right, don't pay full price at a pump anymore. Get cash back by using GetUpside. Just download the app right now for free. Use the promo code TOUCHDOWN to get 50 cents a gallon cash back on your first tank. All right, some people who drive a lot, they're making as much as two, $300 a month cash back. And crazy thing about it, there is no catch. I told some of my truck driving buddies about it. They couldn't believe it. They thought it was a scam. I said, dude, it's not a scam. We promote this on our show. Now they use it and they love it. Again, there's no catch and you get cash back. It gets cash added right to your account. All right. You can cash out at any time. Use your bank, your bank account, your PayPal, your e-gift card, your Amazon, whatever it is. But again, just download the free GetUpside app right now and use the promo code TOUCHDOWN. And while you're at it, might as well go visit BetOnline. All right. And BetOnline, they want to wish you a happy new betting year as we continue to march into the playoffs. And right now, there's no, I mean, betting. You got playoff games, 49ers against the Green Bay Packers. Plus six, 49ers plus six. I think that's something you might want to take. Bet online, that's the place to do it. It remains the number one spot for all bets and sports wagering in action in 2022. New year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50 cent, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code locked on to get started from football, basketball, hockey. Boxing, UFC, right down to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of this amazing offer that's available throughout 2022. Bell Online is the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports. All right, that's Bell Online, where the games start. All right, Ryan. There are a couple guys that, I mean, and we've talked about these guys and, and kind of where they're going, but now we're starting to see how the big dogs think about them. The Mel Kuypers, uh, Dan Brugler, and just where they are kind of positioning these guys. And right now it's still super early in the draft process. So we'll figure out where we have these guys. But first round for a guy that just tore his ACL, Jameson Williams. And we know, explosive athlete. And he's one of the more dynamic guys. And when I was saying, you know, there's some dynamicness that our guy Drake London is missing. Jameson Williams, he's definitely not. But he's hurt. Just tore his ACL. And it sounds like it's potentially not going to drop him in his draft stock at all. I find that incredible and I don't believe it either. So <laughs> I don't know where all this information is, is supposedly coming from that, he, that he's not going to be affected by this injury. Yes, you can return from ACLs a whole lot faster than you used to. Yes, he should be there by midseason, maybe even a little bit before that. But it's got to weigh into the, to the teams in terms of making the investment in the first round in a player that should you have any kind of complication in your rehab or something like that, if you get set back with this uh, a secondary injury, you could miss the whole season. So I, I do think that that weighs in more than what we're hearing from from people making statements today because the teams aren't making those statements. Right. I will say this, though. I don't think he drops out of the first round. In fact, I had him as wide receiver one early, moved it around a little bit, and at this point he's the only wide receiver that I'm confident that I've seen in a film that I, I've completed my eval on him. And he does have a very high grade. I think the injury will knock him back a little bit, but I don't think it knocks him out of the first. I think what it does for him is unless everyone gets pulled up, and if there is somebody that goes in the top 10, if it is Drake London, if Mel Kuyper's right and that happens, I think it pulls the rest of the wide receiver class up. I think you get a mini run. I think you get teams that are looking for that particular position that get a little bit nervous. 
I don't necessarily think that that's going to happen, but I think Jameson will be one of the guys that gets pulled up again there because I see him right now as a mid-20s kind of a tier right there where the the seven seeds landed in the NFL playoffs, the, the quote-unquote playoff teams, the guys that maybe shouldn't actually be there, but they're going <laughs> to get a chance even at that point to qualify for the postseason and get an ace-wide receiver that has the physical capabilities once healed to really make a difference in anybody's offense. Well, it's interesting that you say that because that's exactly where I believe it was Mel Kuyper has him going to uh, the New England Patriots. So that's middle of the 20s. And that's an interesting spot. All right, so let, let's talk about the fit for Jameson Williams with the New England Patriots. You know, hypothetically speaking, he gets better from the ACL injury and he's ready by, you know, week one. Because that's definitely possible. You tell your ACL mm-hmm. early January, you, you can play by, you know, nine months later. All right, so how is the fit with Mac Jones? Now, I know everybody's thinking, well, oh, Alabama, Alabama. But Jameson Williams, remember, he, he transferred in from Ohio State. So he didn't play with yeah, Mac Jones. But everybody's so worried about, you know, what the New England Patriots have right now at receiver. Their leading receiver was Kendrick Bourne. And I like mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne. But ideally, he's not your wide receiver one. I think everybody's looking to get Mac Jones a more dynamic receiver. You had mm-hmm. guys like Nelson Aguilar. That didn't work out as well. You know, you had two tight ends. It, you know, Hunter Henry and John Smith. It's it's okay, but you can do a little better. And I think, you know, assuming Jameson Williams, like, you know, has 100% recovery from this ACL and really does it right away. Because, I mean, the biggest thing, and you know a lot about injuries and things like that. Mm-hmm. Most guys that come back from an ACL, even though they're 100% in the sense of being able to function, they aren't mm-hmm. playing at their full potential. So now you right. deal with that for a little while, him coming off of that injury. But when he is ready to go and he's full going, he's able to cut and do all those things with confidence. How do you like to fit with him and Mac Jones? Well, I, I think a couple of things you said. I think uh, you like Cameron Gordon as your three. I think that should be there. The thing that they supposedly are missing are speed off the top, right? And we're not going to turn this into a Patriots show, but we might as well address this. The contracts they gave to the tight ends were overbloated. Those were mistakes. Let's be honest about it. So you got to pull some of that back, and a good way to do it is a rookie contract. The thing that you said that most reminded me of what I think of Jameson Williams is the word dynamic because he doesn't have to be a straight go route, post and corners, and and you limit into that. I thought he did a very good job, and kudos to Bill O'Brien and the staff at Alabama. I think they did a very good job of highlighting the fact that he can do a lot more things than just run go routes. I thought his work behind the line of scrimmage was good. I thought you saw him over the middle some that was, I think, where he has to be for Mac Jones to utilize him because I don't know that if if you're getting him, especially if he gets loose and you're trying to put the ball 40 yards in the air consistently with Mac Jones, I don't think you're going to be happy with the outcome. Right. I like I like the fit, and I like what they're trying to do, especially if that's what they do. Mel Kuyper, I think he's on the right direction. And when we get back, we're going to talk about another receiver again, dealing with injuries. And that's what this show is about, guys dealing with injuries. A couple guys I actually want to bring up when we come back. But first, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Bill Bar. All right. It's a new year. So you know what that means. New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit and eating healthier, make sure you include a Bilt Bar into your plan. All right. Bilt Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. And sometimes tastes even better than a candy bar. Now, Bilt Bar makes it easy to stick to your New Year's resolution because you know we all have them. All right. It tastes so good. 
and you'll want to eat it. And unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky and waxy and taste like a chemical peel, this one tastes really good. You know, you want to eat healthy, but it just gets so boring. And by like week three, week three of your diet, you start to think, man, this is just not worth it. I want my chocolate. Well, where is your chocolate? The Built Bar, that's where you get your chocolate. It's covered with 100% real chocolate. All right, most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and, best part about it, 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which definitely is not going to have the protein, and usually has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs, not to count countless amount of empty calories. All right, and here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret stashes, your desk, your, your office, your... Your car, your purse, your jackets, wherever you keep all your little snacks, throw those out and replace those with built bars. All right. And there's so many new flavors to choose from coconut, almond, peanut butter, brownie, raspberry. My two favorites that I've liked cookies and cream, salted caramel. There's mint brownie and many, many more. In fact, they're always coming up with new limited flavors all the time. So check out built.com often and see what's new. All right, go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your order. All right, use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. All right, got one more receiver left that we want to talk to coming off of an injury and want to know how this is going to affect his draft stock and maybe where he was at even before this whole draft process started. And we're talking about none other than John Mechie. There's another guy I want to get to from SMU. But John Mechie, all right, this is a guy who towards ACL in the playoff game. Mm-hmm. He was having a terrific year, a terrific year. And he kind of got outshined a little bit because Jameson Williams stepped on the scene. And I think everybody thought, oh, you know, you had the big-time receivers leave. You had – I mean, he was there with Ruggs, Judy, and then Devontae Smith, and uh, – gosh, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. And then – forget Waddle. All, all of a sudden, it's like, hey, it's my, it's my time. Right. And it's like not so fast. You got Jameson Williams. He comes in, steals some of the shine, but still had a terrific season, put up big time numbers. And when Jameson Williams got kicked out uh, of the Auburn game uh, for targeting on the special teams play, who stepped in? It was Mechie who ended up coming in and running a terrific route to win the game. The one thing mm-hmm. I like about him, he's a guy who could play outside, he could play inside. You know, he has that long enough speed for sure. I think he's terrific with his catch, right after catch. He's dynamic. He does all of those things that you want to see. Where do you think that he's kind of been projected before the knee injury? And then how do you think that'll play into effect uh, with his uh, draft stock? You know, I thought he was in a tough situation with all the guys that you mentioned that he had played with. I thought he was going to have a chance to really step out this season. And then the arrival of Williams puts puts a damper on that. I mean, let's be honest. It's, it's hard to excel when you have somebody that's just as competent as you are and, and maybe better in some aspects of the game. And so I had him approaching, if he had a, a, a the season that I had hoped, I, I thought he could have gotten into the first round. Then as the season went on, Williams came on. I, I had him in the, in definitely in the top 50, approaching top 40. And I thought maybe with, with a good workout, maybe a good you know interview process, he could have inched himself back into the first round. I don't think at this point with the additional injury, if that's going to happen, I think he is going to be a value at the top of the of the second round. And honestly, I think the bulk of this wide receiver class is, is value. It isn't necessarily top 15. It, it's top 64, it's top two rounds. But I think he's going to be a, another good example of a team that isn't 
rock bottom in terms of their record this season that's going to get a good player that can come in and do multiple things for them, fit into their offense and be adaptable so that he can get on the field as soon as he's recovered. You know, there was a receiver out of SMU, and I said I was going to bring him up. He tore his ACL the previous year, and he came back this year, and his yards per catch dropped off drastically. I'm talking about Reggie Roberson, receiver out mm -hmm. of SMU. And, I mean, he went from averaging over 21 yards per reception to, like, 12 per reception. You know, I mean, just huge drop-off. Do you think something like that is because of the knee injury, and do you have any worries that maybe something like that might happen to – uh, really the other two Alabama receivers we're talking about now. You know, I think ACLs are always tough. There, there are a lot of players that play through them. And like you said, get to 100%, quote unquote. They're functional. They're they're repaired and they have control. Playing 100% on that knee is a whole different story. And I think that's most likely what happened is there's just not that that willingness to push it to the point that you remember in your head was exactly where you were going full speed, hundred percent when you made that injury pop. Right. So yeah. I think second year is, is the place that you're going to see that the question becomes, have they been through this before? If they had some other injury that they've had to work through, do they understand trying to loosen that mental limit that they put on themselves? And I think that there's a difference and this isn't a slight to any of the college programs. I think there's a difference in the way that you rehab and the support that you have in rehab at the NFL level than you do in college. And so I feel like both the Alabama receivers are going to have a better support system in there that should help them return maybe a little bit quicker and hopefully avoid that kind of mental like capping of what they're willing to do on them. Man, well, we all know how, how big the circumstances are that you go to, the situation, the, the program, how they back you, how they, you know, if they're patient with your recovery process, that's going to be a big deal for all of these guys. And we've seen some people come back from these injuries right away, hit the ground running and do extremely well. Other guys, things linger a little bit. We'll see how much these organizations, you know, get behind these guys and kind of give them their time to recover and get back to 100% and not just physically, but mentally. Those are things we're going to keep track on on this show. All right, so make sure you guys keep it locked right here. Eric Crocker, Ryan Tracy. You guys can follow us on Twitter at Eric underscore Crocker, at Ryan Tracy NFL. Again, we're counting down. We just sent in our um, IDs and our uh, vaccination cards so that we can be out there in Mobile, Alabama. We're going to be front row and center and really watching one of the guys I just talked about, Robertson out of SMU. He'll be there at the Senior Bowl. I'll be, also be there for the HBCU Combine. So I'm really excited about that, to get into some of those prospects and be able to talk about them on the show. But again, from Eric, from Ryan, this is Locked On NFL Draft. Also listen to Locked On 49ers with myself and Brian Peacock and listen to Locked On Chiefs with Ryan Tracy. But till next time, we are out, y'all. Peace.